learning is fascinating because it's something we do continuously and it is at the root of how humankind advances. Welcome to Solar Spotlight, the podcast series from the Society for Learning Analytics Research, Solar. Let's get introduced to the host in this very first episode of the series. I'm Shibani Antonet from the University of Technology, Sydney, Australia. Hi, and I'm Marne Scheffel from the Open University of the Netherlands. I'm Ishan Tsai from the University of Edinburgh, UK. Today's show is on learning analytics, past, present, and future. We have with us our guest, Abelardo Pardo, the current president of SOLAR. Hello, everyone. My name is Abelardo Pardo. I'm currently a professor at the University of South Australia in Adelaide. And my background is in educational technology. And I have a PhD in computer science, and I'm now currently working in the area of learning analytics. Could you tell us a bit about the Society for Learning Analytics Research? How and when did SOLAR start, and what does it do? So the beginning of the society is actually a very interesting uh, case of how um, a set of researchers uh, connected together and identified an area that they were interested in. It was back in 2011 when there was a call for papers to get together in Banff in Canada, in the Rocky Mountains. Um, And the topic was basically described as the use of data to increase our understanding and and to increase our support or the quality of learning experiences. And it was a very interesting time because uh, the people that uh, decided to attend that event, uh, we found out they were coming from very different disciplines. And it was very interesting to see such a variety of profiles uh, with expertise in computer science, data management, psychology, education, um, to to have these researchers coming together and and, and be concerned about this, this area. So solar was um, the element or the the artifact that we decided to put in place to articulate a community around this concept. After that first meeting in Banff, we have a very successful second conference in 2012 in Vancouver, Canada. And by that time, what we realized is that the gathering of these people with these interests, with these researchers was not a one of a one in a lifetime opportunity. It was also something that it had um, the opportunity to continue. So we decided to articulate that society and to deploy a few mechanisms to make sure that uh, the research in this area was properly promoted and properly disseminated. Uh, We have quite a few activities going on in the society and I kind of elaborate a little bit more along the the rest of the podcast. But in a nutshell, what we're looking for is a place for these researchers coming from different areas to have a common place to discuss, to exchange ideas, to disseminate their work and to advance the field basically. So, Malado, uh, can you tell us a bit more about the activities that SOLAR undertakes? Yeah, so like I said at the beginning, back in the 2011 and 2012, it was a basic structure just to make sure that uh, academics and researchers and practitioners could, could exchange ideas. Now, um, we have a little bit more organized, organized structure, a bit more um, comprehensive type of initiatives. The main ones are we organize a yearly event, the International Conference on Learning Analytics and Knowledge. Uh, The last edition was attended by nearly 500 people. 
and it's a very good opportunity to, like I said, exchange ideas or become aware of uh, the latest contributions in research. The conference also has a practitioner's track, and it's a very interesting way also of getting to know the type of initiatives or practical initiatives that are being deployed in educational institutions. The other events that are very important in the society, we have a Learning Analytics Summer Institute, it's Northern Hemisphere Summer uh, around June. And this event is tailored more for uh, emerging researchers and emerging practitioners to come and take a deep dive on the issues that are um, relevant to the, to the field. A couple of other very interesting initiatives are um, we, we published the Journal on Learning Analytics. Uh, this is a journal that has been now uh, running for about four or five years, and it's going to be indexed in the future in, the, um, in a couple of uh, scientific catalogs. Um, a couple of years ago, we also published the Handbook of Learning Analytics, another text that is open and available to everyone. We put a lot of emphasis on making sure that we support emerging researchers and students. So we do have quite a comprehensive set of scholarships or PhD students. Uh, one section in our conference that is very popular is the doctoral consortium, which has been uh, working very well in, in the last editions of the conference. We have a strong belief and a strong commitment on open access to, to science and to research. So our journal is open content. Uh, the articles are available for everyone. We publish uh, the, a compendium of a subset of the papers in the conference uh, that are also in um, Creative Commons, so available to everyone. The Handbook of Learning Analytics is also available through Creative Commons. And we have quite additional resources in our webpage that are available for the whole community to participate. Thanks, Abelardo. That certainly sounds like a wonderful set of resources and initiatives from Solar. Um, could you also tell us how one can best get involved? It's a society that is a meeting point with a strong belief and, and a strong foundation on open access uh, and sharing uh, among the community of practitioners and researchers. And the best way to get involved is to visit our website at solarresearch.org become a member and obviously uh, try to participate in any of these events that I just described. I'd also like to point out that the, the society has a commitment to connect with us as wide of a community as possible. And we are in contact with a lot of institutions and countries to see if we are able to support the events around learning analytics that they are organizing in their own, in their own spaces. And we have very good connections with other events and with other conferences along those lines. So the best way to get, involved, to get involved, as I said, is just visit the website, become a member of the society, and attend any of the events that are happening. So you just described what SOLAR is all about. And basically, as the name already says, it's learning analytics research. Could you describe learning analytics, what it is and what it includes, etc., maybe in a way for someone that is new to the field? But one possible way of describing what learning analytics is about is a discipline or a field that is trying to make use of the widespread availability of data that we are collecting nowadays, mostly about um, through technology mediation, and use that basically for two purposes. One of them is to increase our understanding of how learning works. Learning is fascinating because it's something we do continuously and it is at the root of how humankind advances, but at the same time, we do not have an entire uh, explanation or we don't. We do not comprehend that process entirely. So the use of data and the use of uh, comprehensive observations is one of the areas in learning analytics that would help us increase that understanding. The other purpose is to improve the overall experience. And I think pretty much everyone can relate to that. When you learn something 
uh, or when you have several learning experiences, you realize very, realize very quickly that some of them can be more rewarding or effective or efficient than others. And this is what learning analytics is about, is, is trying to achieve these two aims, increasing our understanding and perhaps improving those experiences through the use of data. So is learning analytics all about data? This is not an area that I would call data-centric. To me personally, at least, one of the big advantages of this area or of this community is that it is very mindful of the multidisciplinary approach that we require. So in other words, it's not only about data and crunching numbers and creating predictive models and statistical models. It is a much more holistic approach to the problem, and it is bringing data and bringing this additional knowledge into an already complex uh, environment that needs careful study of all the aspects that affect it. Um, it brings also a very human dimension to, to consider the stakeholders in the problem, instructors, students, designers, and it's this holistic approach what differentiates uh, learning analytics from other disciplines. Right, so it is the interdisciplinarity that makes the field of learning analytics so special. Um, as you can imagine, with such a broad description, it also brings or connects uh, professionals or researchers from all over the place, right? And this is, I guess, another of my favorite features of this community, that um, you end up exchanging ideas with researchers in the area of educational psychology, psychology, pedagogy, data management, computer science, algorithms. All, all these areas are somewhat connected to this holistic view of how can we increase our understanding and improve these experiences. So this would be my way of describing that, that community. Can you maybe give us some examples of specific either research in learning analytics that you have seen or that you have, you have done yourself, any specific tools or anything that, you, um, that sticks out to you or that pops into your head at this very moment? Two or three examples that come to mind. The first one is, is about, and one of my favorites, is about supporting the students, right? So when the students are going through a learning experience, there might be a few things that don't go as expected or, or some complications that appear along the line. One example could be first-year students that are struggling with, uh, with the university life, and they may be at risk of considering themselves leaving the university, right? And this was one of the first topics that appear in our area, um, the so-called student at risk. So detecting students at risk and providing them with the right support is one of the key examples. Somebody might be thinking, but if you have only a certain number of students, you should be able to do that already. What we're trying to do here is applying these type of techniques at a scale and try to detect the students at risk when we have large population of students. And this is where the predictive models and the use of data comes very handy. So this is one example. Another example is in the day-to-day -day operations of uh, instructors to help them gain a better understanding of how the community of learners are evolving. And this is crucial for aspects like student engagement, for example. Most of the instructors have a very well-developed and a very good intuition about how effective all the resources and the overall experience is, is being in terms of learning. But if we add on top of that the, the use of data, these instructors may have a better game. Say, for example, we pose certain collaborative tasks to our students and we have information about the level of collaboration that these students are, are performing. So this gives the instructor a lot of um, additional tools to um, supervise that process and even support it more appropriately. Are there any other uses that support the learners? To try to um, help the students or support the students in their journey, um, adopting a little bit like a philosophy similar to a coach, which is someone that observes what you're doing, someone that has the expertise to uh, support you through the journey, but it also 
has the capacity to give you very specific guidelines, very specific suggestions. And I think this is the type of role that is very complex to, to achieve, but at the same time, the use of this type of data support or this type of um, data information that we collect can give us a bit of an extra edge in terms of uh, deploying much more effective coaching mechanisms. Do you have any specific tools in mind? I didn't mention any specific tool because each one of the chapters then, um, or each one of these areas uh, materializes uh, into different tools. So we have a statistical models that detect those students at risk. We also have um, communication platform that allows us to contact these students at risk and offer them certain alternatives. We have uh, platforms that collect information and provide them to the instructors through dashboards. And we even have uh, platforms that um, provide some initial identification of learning strategies and then personalize the communication with the students. And I think that the, the field or the sector is advancing in these areas uh, very promisingly. Thank you, Abelardo. I really resonate with what you said earlier about learning analytics that is not just about data, but about taking a whole approach to learning. And it's this human dimension that makes learning analytics half its special flavor. Um, so we have heard a lot about what learning analytics is and, and some practical examples. We also heard from you uh, about a lot of initiatives that Solar is currently undertaking. Would you mind sharing with us where we are heading with learning analytics? I think this is a bit of a personal view or all I'll answer uh, given my personal perception. Um, looking at the trajectory of the society and also the community in the last 10 years, so we started with uh, a broad problem, which is the one that I mentioned before, detecting students at risk. And over the last 10 years, we are beginning to advance in a bit more detailed aspects of uh, education, right? We have very interesting contributions in the research angle on how to detect patterns and how to detect efficient conversation among uh, learners or between learners and instructor. We have uh, interesting tools that support students while they write. Uh, we have interesting tools that collect and visualize how teams collaborate. So to me, what I get the sense is that learning analytics is advancing towards providing much more precise support. One way I like to look at it is uh, the way learning analytics is helping to enhance the capacity of instructors and students. And I see that is permeating uh, every single aspect of education. So from my point of view, in 10 or 20 years from now, I wouldn't be surprised if we have tools that uh, provide much more effective support or enhance much more the current activity of instructors and students. And they get feedback about the way they are um, engaging with a learning community, the way they are processing information, the way they are adopting certain regulation strategies or, or learning strategies in general. These aspects will keep having a very concrete and precise presence of uh, data-supported decision-making procedures. In the past, I think we started with simple problems, but it's also something that allowed us to, to look at the issues and start to unpack them a little bit more. The other area that I'm very happy that is also getting more and more traction is, like you said before, the human connection, issues about ethical aspects, security, privacy, which are equally important to just deploying the, the ideas and the solutions to support students and instructors. And there's been quite a lot of work and quite a lot of activities in that area as well. And, and this is one of my favorite parts because it also connects a lot of people with different views, with different angles on how to approach this problem. And it's fascinating because as, as the time unfolds, I think we are unpacking a little bit the complex issue of how to handle this potential for improvement, but at the same time being mindful of privacy and security issues. 
So I think in the future, we'll have these areas uh, beginning to be much more comprehensively adopted everywhere. We will have institutions adopting reasonable and effective security and privacy policies, but at the same time, having instructors and students increasingly exposed or increasingly taking advantage of these tools and methods that enhance the way they approach learning. Could you also share with us the role of SOLA in advancing the field and the adoption of learning analytics? The way I'm describing the field, I think it is my personal opinion, but I think, and I'm a little bit biased, I think it's getting very active, very exciting, very broad. So the role of the society is basically to facilitate the exchange of knowledge and the exchange of ideas in these increasingly complex fields. To extend, I think we've been doing that. Both the events we are organizing, but also the dissemination platform we are using, they are basically aiming at breaching these conversations and making sure that the person that is focusing on the next optimization in an algorithm is aware of uh, security and privacy principles. And the person that is uh, exploring these privacy principles is also aware of the pedagogical uh, angle that they have to put in place. And the voice of the instructor is also heard because they are the ones that are carrying out the duty. So the society is, is like a glue that brings all these conversations together and make each other or make these groups aware of each other. And our events and our um, initiatives are mostly uh, following that, that pattern and try to achieve these objectives. Abelardo, earlier you raised a very important point about the ethics and privacy issues behind this learning analytics. Can you talk to us a little bit more about the challenges and pitfalls of learning analytics and what we must watch out for? Um, to me, one of the main challenges that come to mind very quickly is that we sometimes when we explain the area of learning analytics, we try to very quickly compare it to other fields. Things, for example, along the lines of what Facebook is collecting about us or what Google is doing with our information, which are all very delicate issues in terms of privacy. The way I usually approach those comparisons is that um, we're talking about a much more, about an area that is much more specific and for a much more delimited purpose. When we have learners that join in a community of learning and they're going through some experience, it's a fairly contained and, and defined type of experience. And it's somewhat different from just exchanging family anecdotes or, or pictures in a, in a social media platform. So I guess one of the challenges we face is to, to make sure that the, the public understands the area, understands the benefits, and also making aware, everyone aware, that we are concerned with the limiting the purpose of this data collection. The reason why I mentioned before that I was very uh, optimistic about this is because um, there's been quite a lot of activity try to make this differentiation, try to come up with guidelines and criteria that are mindful of the rights of learners, but at the same time provide um, a structure that makes sense from the point of view of improving the quality of a learning experience. So I think this is one of the challenges we're facing. Another one that comes to mind is making sure we don't uh, fall prey of this unusual amount of hype basically thinking that the use of data and, the, and bringing on board machine learning or, or artificial intelligence is going to solve all the problems in education and perhaps even get rid of the instructors. I don't think this is a vision that is going to occur anytime soon. And we also have to address that challenge or address that perception very quickly. Uh, learning is a task that is very complex. Um, it needs support. It needs, uh, it needs to be improved. 
But at the same time, I don't see anytime soon how instructors are going to be replaced entirely by machines. And I don't see machine learning or artificial intelligence as solving all the issues or all the problems we detect in educational, in educational environments. Thank you, Abelardo. That could be a relief to, to those who are worrying about um, an AI attack <laughs> to the world. Um, well, thanks. That was a very interesting conversation. And I think we all um, now know better about how to explain to people what um, solar is. Um, capital solar with a small O. Um, it's not about renewable energy, but about learning analytics. So here's something that we would like to do at the end of each podcast. We invite our special guest to play a fun game called Two Truths and a Lie. And I'm sure many of our audience would be quite familiar with this game. So as the name suggests, we'll ask Eblardo to tell us three statements about himself. One of these statements will be a lie. And we are trying to find out what the lie, which one is the lie. Um, and we invite our audience to guess which statement is the answer, which is the lie, um, and tweet about it using hashtag um, SolarSpotlight on Twitter. Um, the answer will be announced in the next episode. Now, here we go with the true truth and a lie with Eduardo Pardo. Okay, so I have three statements. Um, the first one is that I am an avid collector of hats. Statement number two is that I play the bagpipe on the street for money. And statement number three is that I was a member of the School of Computer Science back in my university years, uh, was a member of the rock band in Barcelona. Those are the three statements. Statement number one, I'm an avid collector of hats. Statement number two, play the bagpipe uh, in the street for money. Statement number three, I was a member of the School of IT rock band in Barcelona. Okay, I think as hosts, we have the privilege to take our first guesses. Um, I'm gonna guess number one. I just can't see Abelardo as a hat person. <laughs> Although I think a cowboy um, hat on you might be a good idea. I think I would go with two. Playing the bagpipes is really difficult and then playing it at a level to do it for money, that, I don't know, maybe, I mean, I'm thinking of Scottish bagpipes. Maybe there's other types of bagpipes that are easier to play. Anyhow, that's my guess, number two. It's really hard to guess. I mean, we haven't seen him wearing even one of the hats before. So I would probably go with one, two. Okay, so that was certainly a very nice and interesting conversation. Thank you very much for listening, everyone, to Solar Spotlight, our very first episode. My name is Maren Scheffel, and together with my two co-hosts, Shibani Antoinette and Yishan Tsai, I've been talking today with Abelardo Pardo, the president of Solar. If you would like to get involved with Solar, please take a look at the website solarresearch.org. We would also like to make two announcements today. Number one. On the 6th of August, Solar's first webinar will take place from 9 a.m. till 10 a.m. London, UK time. And it will feature Professor Simon Buckingham-Sham from the University of Technology, Sydney. The title of his talk is Learning Analytics as Educational Knowledge Infrastructure. Announcement number two. The call for papers for the next LAC conference, that is Solar's conference on learning analytics and knowledge, has been published. The conference will take place in Frankfurt, Germany in March 2020. And you can find all information on the conference website, that is luck20.solarresearch.org. And the submission deadline for this is October 1st. 
And if you would like to continue the conversation, please tweet us at Solar Research using the hashtag Solar Spotlight.